Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Exodus chapter 20. And while you're turning to verse number 14, um, I'm going to be up front with you today. The message that I'm going to deliver today is necessary. And um, I'm a little apprehensive about it. I don't want it to be taken the wrong way. But I believe it's a message from God that will save some souls. And, uh, and you're always a little apprehensive when you have to say some things that are strong, but they're necessary. My goal is that every one of us would make heaven. And whatever I can preach that will help you to get there, that's on me. It's my responsibility. I share that responsibility with other great teachers and preachers in this congregation but there are some things that only I can say. And they know that and they haven't abused that. And so those are some of the things I'm gonna say today. Exodus 20 and 14, we're talking about the commandments here. We've skipped to the fifth. The first five have to deal with our relationship with God. The second five have to deal with our relationship with one another. So Exodus 20 and 14 says, thou shalt not commit adultery, That's six, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, that means lie. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything. That is your neighbor's. And today I wanna preach to you on this subject. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. God bless you, you may be seated. Romans 11 and 14 concludes with this, that he might save some of them. See those last four words of Romans 11, 14? That he might save some of them. I want you to know that from the beginning, Satan is out to break all of the commandments. He's not selective. And he wants you to break them all too. Because he is a liar and he is a thief. John chapter eight and verse 44, which my brother quoted today. You are of your father the devil, and notice this, and the lusts of your father you will do. Lust comes from the devil too. He was a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Knowing this should make your week better. Because when Satan comes to you, you know the tactic he's going to use. Lie, lie, lie. God doesn't know where you are. God doesn't care. God won't help you. God won't keep his promises. Lie, lie, lie. That's all he knows to do. That's his only weapon. 
And lying leads to the other sins. If he can convince you of his lies, he can lead you into his lusts. John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his purpose. That's his job. But notice it also says, Jesus said, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I want you to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. He's the only truth. And he's the only one that can give you life. Not only life and that more abundantly, but eternal life. I also want you to know that John 1 and 14 says, the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The exact opposite of the enemy. He lies, he lies, he lies, and Jesus only tells us truth and gives us grace. So we, we can identify what we're dealing with here. I wanna talk to you about the first institution that was ever established in the Bible by God, and it is the institution of marriage. Genesis chapter two and verse number 22. And the rib which the Lord had taken from a man made he a woman, and he brought her unto the man. Do you know that God will bring your bride to you? Uh, maybe I, you may think that I'm naive, but I believe that God has a divine plan for each and every one of us. He has one person in mind for you. He will bring that person at his appointed time to your life. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Wife came from God. And the relationship prior to your marriage that you honor the most other than God is your father and your mother. But when the relationship comes between you and your wife, that supersedes your father and your mother. It does not supersede your relationship with God. I know I'm just, I know this is very basic, but it's principles that have to be in place. These have to be in place. Because Satan is out to destroy the sacredness of marriage. And if the marriages fail, the families will follow. We need to understand that God will bring that one person to your life of the opposite sex. And when you're willing to make a commitment that puts that person before you, you can get married. And that's what this nation That institution is a cornerstone for this nation. When I was in high school, my history teacher taught me something that I never forgot. This is what he said. The fall of a world power comes from immorality. 
He said, if you take a look at, at history and how a nation comes into power, it comes in with morality, but it leaves with immorality and is replaced by a world power that is greater in morality than its predecessor. That's where we are today, folks. What's being challenged and all of these other things that we can talk about, we can talk about abortion, we can talk about pornography, we can talk about homosexuality, and the list goes on and on and on. It all comes from immorality. Immorality. And God wants us to be a moral people. Now, you're probably not going to run the aisles today. But I promise you that when you leave here, you'll say, I'm glad to hear what I heard today from the word of God. And I'm glad to know that what we once stood for, we still stand for. We still stand for this. 2 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister. That meant she was very beautiful, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now let me stop here. If you read, I'm going to pick, a, pick this part of this chapter apart for you today. But Amnon is a half-brother to Absalom and Tamar, who is his sister. I don't want any half-brothers. And I don't think you should want any either. I don't want anybody that's a Christian in church and something else when they leave the church. I don't want to call them a half-brother because they're serving God half of the time and the other half, they're not serving God. We don't need any half-brothers. We just need brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to show you that the, that the identity of this half-brother is exactly true. Because he gives the appearance of being a king's son and a brother to his family. But he really is only a half-brother. And Amnon, verse 2 says, was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. I'm going to stop here. The world will make fun of your virginity. I'm going to talk to the young people today, too. I'm, I'll get to all of you, but I'm going to talk to the young people. Keep yourselves pure. Do what is right. Don't let the world set your standard. You're a virgin? <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a great honor. You mean you're not? You mean you couldn't restrain yourself? You weren't willing to wait? I'm going to show you that there's a tremendous amount of guilt that comes with immorality. They can mask it. They can make fun of virginity. But deep down, they know it's wrong. Notice that Amnon, it says he thought he loved her. He didn't love her. He lusted after her because of her fairness. He wanted her. He but he knew two things. I just read it in verse 2. He knew that she was a virgin, 
and it was hard for him to come against her. Why? Because he knew it was wrong. He knew that if he came against her, he would take away her virginity, he would bring her shame, he wouldn't be right with God, he knew all of these things, and that's what made it hard for him. But his lust was so great inside of him that he talked to his friend and said, hey, I got a problem. I'm really interested in this, in, in my own sister. I'm sick, I can't even get out of bed. What can I do? And they devised a plan. And the plan evolves into verse number 10. Amnon said unto Tamar, bring meat into my chamber that I may eat of your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon her brother. And when she brought them in unto, her, into, unto him to eat, he took a hold of her. And he said unto her, come and lie with me, my sister. And she answered, she resisted. No, no, my brother, do not force me. For no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not do this folly. She warned him. She resisted him. But he wouldn't listen. And I, whither shall I cause my shame? I'm going to be ashamed of what you're trying to do with me. And as for you, you'll be as one of the fools in Israel. They'll rebuke you for this. Your name will be tarnished. The family name will, somebody preach with me today. The family name will be shamed because of this. Even the heathens will rebuke God and say, they're no different than we are. Now therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king. He won't withhold me from thee. Do the right thing. Go about it the right way. Ask for the proper hand. Howbeit, he would not hearken unto her voice, and being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. He raped her. He raped his own sister. It was so strong in him, he just had to do it. He knew that she was a virgin. Preach with me. He knew that she was a virgin. He knew that it was wrong. But he devised a plan to get alone with her. He heard her rebuke, and yet he grabbed her and he took what he wanted. He is a thief. He stole. You say, well, he broke the commandment of adultery or fornication. He did more than that. He stole. Tamar belonged to God. Her virginity was before God. She was keeping herself pure. She was saving herself for her husband. She was upholding the virtues and the purity of God. She had kept the family name in order with her virginity. But somebody came to her and overpowered her and stole from her and took what she valued. She took it from God. She took it from Absalom. 
She took it from Tamar. She took it from David's household. It was all stolen. And notice what happens when we do the wrong thing. When we think we know what we want and somehow we justify it. Maybe like Brother Kylie talked about today, maybe it was pride. Maybe Amnon said to himself, well, you know, I am the king's son and I should be able to have whatever I want. Maybe pride was there with the lust. And so he decided he was gonna take what was not his and when he took it, he completely changed. He was no longer the man that he had previously been. Watch what happens to him here in verse number 15. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly. Look Look at the way it's described here. So that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, arise and be gone. I don't ever want to see you again. How does it happen? It happens with the liar who comes. It happens with the lust that comes. It happens with disobedience and pride. And then when the act, I'm I'm speaking to adults. I, I would never preach this message to children. But when the act is over, so is the relationship. It's over. I never want to see you again. If you ever say anything to anybody, I'll just deny it. If you'd get pregnant, maybe you ought to have an abortion. But I'm going to deny, 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 deny. Because that's what liars do. They lie. See, after we sin, we regret. It's a terrible feeling. You know, I don't know about you, but when I received the Holy Ghost, I received a glorified conscience. You know, I I have people say to me all the time, well, you know, I don't don't believe in God. I don't believe in God's word. And here's the reason they say that. Because they think that if they say, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in God's word, that I'm not subject to God. And I'm not subject to God's word. You are incorrect, sir. You are incorrect, madam. Your conscience, even before you ever heard about God, even before you ever read anything about God, your conscience convicted you. You didn't need 10 commandments. They only confirmed what your conscience had already been, already was in you saying. And every time you thought to do wrong or even disobey your parents, initially, you'd get nervous. You couldn't keep eye contact. Your hands might even shake a little bit. Your palms would sweat. What is that? That's the conscience kicking in. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it gets even worse. 
Everywhere you go and you see things or you're tempted to look at things that you shouldn't look at, the Holy Ghost begins to quake inside of you and warn you, flee, 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 get away from this. You shouldn't be involved in this. Don't let your, somebody preach with me today. Don't let your mind wander. Don't look at this. Don't read this. Don't be involved in this. Don't allow this temptation to come against you. Flee, youthful lusts. Because that's what the enemy does. And after the sin, the only thing left is hatred. He hated her. You know what? I'm going to take this. I'm going to take my liberty today. um, I'm going to show you how this works because I don't want this. I am not aware of immorality in our congregation. So that's why it's the perfect time to preach it because I'm not singling anybody out or embarrassing anyone, okay? But Rebecca, where's Rebecca? Oh, she's in Sunday school, all right. Elizabeth, help me, will you? Help me, Elizabeth. Now, I won't embarrass Elizabeth. Would you just please stand right here and just face me, Elizabeth? My wife's name's Elizabeth, too. Okay. I've seen you worship. Can you just lift your hands? Do you know why this lady lifts her hands? She's reaching out to God. Do you know why this lady sings and comes to this altar and prays? Because she's talking to God. She believes that right next to her is Jesus Christ himself. You can put your hands down now is Jesus Christ himself. She wants to be right next to him and love on him and talk to him. If God himself is right here next to Elizabeth, who would dare to come against his daughter? Who would dare to lay a hand on her. You don't touch what isn't yours. And God forbid that someone would. Where's brother and sister Hemingway? I guarantee you the wrath of God and brother and sister Hemingway and the remainder of their family against anyone that lays their hand on this girl. Thank you, Elizabeth, you did a great job. When I think of Tamar and her brokenness, Let me show it to you. Let me show you this woman's brokenness. Verse 17. Amnon called his servant that ministered unto him and said, put now this woman out for me and bolt the door after her. I don't want to see her again. She wept. She was broken. 
She couldn't hide it. And Absalom, I, I skipped over this, but Absalom saw her and said, what's wrong, my sister? And she could not withhold what had happened from Absalom. And from that moment, Absalom wanted to kill his half-brother for what he had done to his sister. Two years later, he had him killed. He set it up, he arranged for a party, he made sure that Amnon got drunk, and Absalom told his servants, when he's drunk, kill him, and it's on me. Anybody says, who gave you the authority to take this man's life? You tell him to come and see me, and I'll tell my dad what happened. And he killed him. Now verse 16 said, this is an important part of this message. And Tamar had a garment of divers colors upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. And his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. You see, when you're the king's daughter, you're special. And the king sees to it that you wear a garment. Kind of like Joseph, isn't it? Joseph had a coat. Tamar had a garment. This is my favorite. This is my daughter. My daughter, this is what the garment signified, the, the apparel that she wore. My daughter is a virgin. And this is a princess that belongs to the king. That's what her garments told everybody. He had to rip through the garments of a king's daughter and her virginity to steal what was not his. Hmm. Let me speak to the ladies of our congregation. Ladies, dress like a king's daughter. Say it again till I get more amens. Ladies, dress like a king's daughter. You're special. Dress like you're pure. Dress modestly. Dress holy. Because you are special. And the world needs to know it. Dress like a king's daughter. You know that men are, <laughs> I'm almost afraid to say it, but some people think that men are animals. Well, there may be a little bit of animal in all of us. And we need to do everything we can not to promote that in our congregation and in our world. I appreciate our ladies and their modesty. I really do. I appreciate our ladies and their modesty 
You can, you can even wear the proper attire and if it's too tight and too revealing, that's bad. That, I'm just speaking as a man, that's bad. Because men are visual. I, I'm, I'm talking, I know this is an adult message, but I just have to tell you, men are visual. And if you know that, then dress like a king's daughter and be modest and keep yourself pure. All right? Do that. Do that for God. Do that for your spouse. Do that for your example to young people. I try real hard to give you a good example of what a marriage ought to be. I'm very conscientious about that. <laughs> Let an old man tell his stories more than once. But I remember one day, it happened right over here. A guy came up to me and he was not rebuking me, okay? He was just saying, he had a smile on his face and he said, you know, pastor, he said, uh, I've noticed you're pretty affectionate with your wife, even in public. And I didn't even have to think about it. I said, well, would you like to know why? He said, yeah. I said, well, here's why. Number one, I love my wife. And I'm not ashamed to let anybody and everybody know that. This is mine. This is mine. Don't you be messing with what's not yours. That's mine. Number two, I need to be an example for this congregation. And so do you. Be an example. You know, these young people are watching the way we treat our spouses, the way we talk, the way we open doors, the way we put our arm around them. They need a good example. And number three, I want everyone, I'll say it again, I want every woman in this congregation to know this is the only one I'm interested in. This is all I need. Okay. I'm trying to help you to understand. Trying to help you to understand what God wants us to be and how God wants us to conduct ourselves. Take a look at what the scripture says about a king's daughter. Ephesians 5 and 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Revelations 19, let us, verse seven, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. The marriage of the lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, right, blessed are they which come unto the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Revelations 21 and two. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Keeping herself pure. 
saving herself for the king, for the groom. Again, I'm thankful for the example of this congregation. But men, I need to speak to you too. Men, thou shalt not steal. I'm not just talking to the young people today. Do you know that 50% of our marriages in America end in divorce? Do you know what the number one reason is? They say, well, you argued about money. Yeah, probably did. But most of the time it's immorality. Immorality. Let me make it real plain for you so that I make sure that you understand this. Until Bill Hemingway brings Elizabeth right here or to whatever church they attend and puts Elizabeth's hand in the hand of her husband and gives her away, she belongs to them. Until that time, if you touch inappropriately what is not yours, you are stealing from God and you are stealing from them and their family and you're stealing from this church family because Elizabeth is my sister. Okay? She's my sister. I told you I had fun with that at Culver's one night. I had one of these high school girls with me and bought him an ice cream cone and, and, and I said, yeah, give an ice cream cone to my sister here. And the guy looked and said, that's your sister? <laughs> Elizabeth is my sister. Don't steal from me. Don't steal. Let me give you scripture. 1 Timothy chapter five, men, I'm talking about men now and their conduct. 1 Timothy five and two says, treat the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. How's that for great preaching? So when you, young people, when you address somebody that's older than you, you treat them with respect as a mother or as a father. I thought I'd get more amens than that. And the younger, your peers, your age group, or younger, you treat them like your sister. Now, I love my sister in all purity. And you should too. Treat relationships appropriately and, and with purity or stay a long ways away. And ask God to help you and deliver you of your lust and your temptation. And finally, let me talk to the husbands and the wives for a moment. Communicate. Don't separate. 
oh, this is an adults only message, so I'm just gonna get it all out. (laughs) The needs that a man has and the needs that a woman has in the proper relationship of marriage will not only complement but meet the needs of each other. If you will just communicate. Say, I have a real hard time talking about that. I'm so embarrassed. Turn the lights off. (laughs) Lay in bed together and say, hey, I got to talk to you about something that, that is important to me. And I want you to be able to talk to me about what's important to you so that we do, do not allow ourselves to be tempted to do anything impure. Let's talk about this. Let's work this out. I know I'm not getting any amens because your spouse would probably give you an elbow, you know. <laughs> Imagination, let's talk about pornography. Imagination leads to exaggeration because of a lack of communication. But if you communicate, you can come against imagination and exaggeration. You can defeat it. You can be married for, watch this. How many people here been married 20 years or more, 30? 40, 50, look at this, it'll work, but it's gonna take commitment and it's gonna take communication and it's gonna take purity. Hmm. I think I've said all I need to say. So let's stand together. Thou shalt not steal. What is adultery? It's stealing. I'll give you these formulas so that hopefully you'll remember them and they'll help you. Sin is born in selfishness. You know who Amnon was thinking of when he thought of Tamar? He wasn't thinking of Tamar. He was thinking of Amnon. Only thing that mattered to Amnon was what Amnon wanted. And then we blame it on somebody else. Now I know today that I've struck a nerve with some people. I've I've tried to give you a warning. That was my purpose today. I'm warning you. The tempter's going to come. He's going to lie. He's going to use lust. He's going to try and destroy our marriages and our families. He's going to try and destroy the purity of our young people. And you know what you need to do. And you know what the consequences are. So you need to keep yourself pure until you're both willing to make a commitment and the father hands off the daughter. You know what you need to do. But you say, Brother Kylie, there's some people here, it's too late. We've already failed. There's been moral impurity in our lives. What about us? I'm tired of living with the guilt and with the shame. And in some cases, even the hatred of Amnon. 
What do I do now? I give you this scripture in closing today. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 28. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. I failed, Brother Kylie. That's why I was quiet today. Okay, all right. You need to come to an altar, you need to make it right with God, and you need to leave it there. And you need to go and sin no more. And if you stole, you steal no more. You know what you need to do? You know how to avoid falling into the trap the next time? You've been warned from the word of God and from the spirit of God. Let him that stole steal no more. Jesus, I pray at this altar today we would find mercy. Mercy for our past. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.